time for the Retirement Roadmap Podcast with registered financial consultant, Glenn Mosseller. Time for another edition of the Retirement Roadmap Podcast. Walter Storholt with you once again alongside Glenn Mosseller. He's your registered financial consultant and founder and president of Roadmap Financial Consulting. You can find us online, greensbororetirement.com. That's greensbororetirement.com or in the office in Greensboro on Muir's Chapel Road. Glenn, thanks for taking some time out to join us this week. How you been, sir? Doing well, Walter. Thanks. Glad to hear that. And I'm curious, Glenn, have you lost that financial feeling by any chance? <laughs> I'm thinking that might be our topic for today, huh? Yeah, yeah exactly right. You're lucky I didn't sing it, though. That's the... Uh, that's the... I'm, very, I'm very grateful, Walter. <laughs> I appreciate that. We all probably know that scene in Top Gun with the, you know, have you lost that loving feeling? Well, on today's show, we're going to be talking about losing that financial feeling. Really, we're just talking about how the fact that, you know, believe it or not, Financial planning, you know, finances, money, math, seems to be in the definition of financial planning, but some are surprised to learn that it really isn't all about math and logic. There are some times when it's important to factor in how we feel about certain things into the equation. So I want to cover some of the times where it's okay to let our emotions and feelings enter the financial equation, Glenn. And I thought this would be a good one to start off with as an example. And that would be to kind of ask yourself how much you care about where you live. We're all very emotional, I think, about where we live, our home. Do we want to stay in our home as we get older? Perhaps where we've raised that family. It sometimes it can be an emotional decision to peel away from that place where we made all of those memories. Or would you be just as happy in a different home and possibly totally different community? And the answers to those questions that you ask yourself carry with them all sorts of financial impacts. Well, of course, Walter, and those are some key questions that we really begin to explore because, you know, everybody's going to have different answers to those questions, right? I mean, some folks, you know, I'll ask the question, you know, well, tell me about your house. You know, normally they'll start off saying, well, you know, I've got a mortgage or it's paid off and it's worth, you know, this amount or whatnot. And and I said, okay, well, you know, let's talk a little bit more about, you know, just kind of your living. I mean, do you want to stay in that house? Do you think that that'll be the last house you're ever in? Or do you think you'll move? And I'll get a variety of different answers. You know, sometimes it's absolutely, well, no, that's where we're going to stay. This is going to be our last house. Others will say, well, you know, I'm not sure. I mean, we've been thinking about possibly moving and, you know, maybe going closer to the kids or possibly, you know, downsizing a little bit or maybe kind of a lateral move to, uh, you know, a house that has similar square footage, but just has a different arrangement. Maybe they're looking to have the master bedroom and, you know, the living area is more on the first floor, you know, so we don't have stairs, you know, to deal with. And so those questions are really, really important to answer because, you know, obviously, you know, whenever you have a house, you know, a lot of people think of in terms of a house as an investment. And I caution people to think that way because really real estate can be an investment. But when you're thinking about your personal residence, I think it's more of a lifestyle choice and, you know, tends to be a little bit more of an expense. And so you have to think in terms of what are your living arrangements? Do you have bills that are coming in on a regular basis? Are they likely to slow down or stop? Maybe that would be the case if you were paying off a mortgage or something of that nature. But other things don't stop. I mean, you're going to always have the taxes. You're going to always have the insurance. You're going to always have the maintenance, you know, and all those different things, you know, that come along with home ownership. And so, 
you know, you have to think, is that something that we want to continue on with? Maybe on the expense side, maybe you want to shift that or maybe on a, you know, living side, maybe you just want to say, you know, hey, it would be kind of nice to think in terms of being in a, a little different neighborhood or a little different type of house, you know, maybe a patio home or a townhouse or maybe a smaller yard. There's a lot of questions that are there that can come into play. And certainly, like you say, Walter, you know, they're all going to have financial implications. And sometimes you can end up reducing expenses, you know, by making some changes. Sometimes you can kind of end up staying the same, you know, or increasing. And there's not a right or wrong answer there. It just kind of depends upon the lifestyle that you want to have and the resources you have to get you there. But where you live is a big deal. And it's always going to be one of the bigger expenses, even if you've paid off your mortgage. And so I always encourage folks, let's really explore that and think about it. It's funny, Walter, a lot of times we'll get the answer, well, yeah, we think we're going to move, but we're going to do that later. And so we'll start exploring, well, you know, how much later? You know, we're not really sure. And and then, you know, what ends up happening a lot of times if you're not careful is that you put off a move to the point where now it's more difficult to move because maybe you're older and it's you're not as motivated to do as many things. And sometimes, you know, when we start exploring those questions, folks say, you know what, it's probably a good idea for us to go ahead and if we're going to make a change, let's go ahead and make it. And then they can really enjoy, you know, going to that new place rather than kind of being a burden of say, oh, my gosh, now we've got to move and we've got to sell and we've got to do all these things. So it's, again, just explore those questions and don't put those off. Those are really, really important things to address and, you know, kind of know where you're going. Because if you don't know where you're going, you're not going to know where you end up. Fantastic point, Glenn. And so we've got to be aware of those things. And there's lots more than just our homes that we kind of get emotionally tied to as well. I think it's always interesting to see people's reaction when you talk to them about leaving a financial legacy and ask yourself, is that something that's important to you or not? What do you want to leave to the next generation? And believe it or not, there's quite a variance in responses from folks usually on that topic. Oh, you're, you're absolutely right, Walter. I mean, I get, you know, all the way across the spectrum, you know, and I ask that question, you know, I say, well, what do you mean by legacy? And I said, well, it's not really important what I think of legacy. What do you think of legacy? So I'll get different answers. You know, sometimes folks, if they have kids and grandkids, they'll be thinking along the lines of, you know, maybe it's helping the grandkids with education or leaving certain things to their adult children. But then other times they might think, you know what, or they might just say, you know, hey, we've given them lots of opportunities. We've put them through school. We've done this, that. And they're kind of on their own. Now, if there's anything left over, you know, we're probably going to leave it to them. But that's not a big concern of ours. You know, where, like I say, other folks, it is a big concern. They really absolutely positively want to do that. Other folks I talk to, sometimes they have kids, sometimes not. And there's times when they say, hey, I want to leave everything to these causes that I care about. And so then when we start exploring that, well, we want to be thinking about, well, you know, how is the best way to pass that on and have the most impact with that legacy? And sometimes we start talking about, well, you know, what assets do you have and, you know, and how are they positioned and, and then the tax implications of different things. And sometimes it's wise to explore the possibility of maybe rearranging or changing an asset class because it's going to be treated differently in the tax code and be able to leave more to the kids or leave more to those causes that you care about. And so there's planning that comes, you know, into play there. But a lot of times it's one of those things that folks maybe thought about a little bit but, you know, oftentimes it's one of those things where they haven't really thought about it as deeply as they might should. And, you know, oftentimes they come to different conclusions about, hey, we should take these actions. You know, and one of the first things with that is planning with like wills and trusts and things like that. You'd be surprised, Walter, you know, when I start talking with folks, 
how many folks haven't done that basic planning, or maybe they did it long, long ago. You know, maybe when the kids were young, and but now the kids are grown and they've got grandkids, but they haven't updated their wills or their estate documents maybe 20, 25 years ago. And those are certainly things that are going to play into how you leave your estate and how you leave your legacy. So I always encourage folks, let's make sure that those things are taken care of. Great points as always, Glenn, and I think this is another good one to bring up here. Ask yourself if you love getting into the details and the nitty and gritty of your investments, or do you prefer simply to you know, have that ability to devote as little thought as possible to your finances? Because that can really have a big impact on the emotional connection you make with your financial planner and with the kind of plan that you develop, depending on how hands-on or off you want to be. Well, that's right, Walter. I mean, there are different strokes for different folks, right? I mean, there are some folks that they really enjoy digging into that stuff. They're probably not the majority of folks, but there are people who like to do that. So you have to really address, you know, how involved do you want to be? I always encourage folks that if they're working with me, it's a team effort, right? I mean, we're working together and that's going to be, you know, kind of defined by our conversation and what they're really wanting to achieve. And I have some folks, you know, that are more involved and other folks that say, you know, hey, let's build this plan and then let's get together and review it from time to time. And, you know, let's try to make it as much as autopilot as we can. So those are exploring questions and topics that we really need to delve into. And everybody should. One of the things that you've got to be really aware of if you're one of those people who really like to get into the details and the nitty gritty of it, you have to ask yourself the question, you know, is your spouse the same way? And most of the time, the answer to that is no. And if that's the case, then you have to ask yourself the question, well, if I'm really into the details of that and my spouse isn't, well, what happens if something happens to me? And then your spouse is left with, oh, my goodness, you know, I'm not sure exactly what to do or how to do it. And then they become, you know, kind of vulnerable and they sometimes can make, you know, poor decisions just simply because they were not prepared for it. So even if you're one of those folks who really likes to be kind of a little bit of a do-it-yourselfer, it's really important that you have a backup plan to make sure that your spouse is taken care of. And Glenn, I think this is worth spending a few moments on as well as we talk about, you know, that financial feeling, when it's okay for feelings to enter our planning equation, is to talk about debt. Because maybe even more so than where you live, debt can wreak havoc on our emotions or it can free us from emotions that were holding us down. And ask yourself, do you feel better? Do you operate better as a person when you're debt-free? Or are you okay with having some debt? You're okay with that little extra burden and with kind of knowing that it's out there. How does that impact the financial portion, just kind of our feelings on debt? Well, Walter, I mean, it can play a pretty substantial role at times. I mean, it, and you really have to think in terms of, I mean, I, I always would talk to people and say, well, you know, are you carrying any debt? And sometimes there's a mortgage. Maybe there's times when there's maybe a car payment or something like that. And, you know, it's, it's like, well, how are you defining debt? And, you know, a lot of times folks will say, well, if I owe anything, you know, other than like my monthly bills, like my um, power bill or my gas bill or the groceries or something like that, obviously those are monthly regular expenses, but they might be paid off every single month. But, you know, something that you're paying for over time, like I say, for like a mortgage or possibly a vehicle or something like that, you know, some folks say, well, if there's any payments that are like those, then that means that that's debt. And so I'll say, okay, well, then let me ask you this. I mean, do you have enough money in your other assets that if you wanted to, you could then step in and just pay that off if you so chose? And oftentimes the answer is yes. And so if the answer is yes and you could pay off any of those things at any time, 
then that's not really the same thing as being in debt. At that point, you're borrowing money by choice, maybe because you would rather have control over that lump sum of money that you have in your accounts, and then you're paying for it over time. But again, that's a choice versus being just in debt. You know, when I think in terms of really being in debt, it's like you're really in debt if you've got you know, monthly payments on things that you haven't paid off yet, but you, the only way that you can pay for it is by future earnings. Now, that is more debt than borrowing money by choice. There's a little bit of a distinction there, and I think if folks think about it, they'll understand that there's a difference. So there are times when folks are like, oh, well, that's a different way of thinking about it. I'm okay. Maybe you're going to go buy a car, and maybe it's at zero financing. And that might be a better way to consider purchasing that than rather just take a big lump sum out of an account and pay for it, right? Because that lump sum might be actually earning you some interest or growing for you. And if you have zero interest over there, you know, which is the better way to use your money? So it just depends. But there are folks who will say, you know what, I just don't want to have any payments of any sort like that, and I'd just rather pay it off. And, you know, Walter, there's not really a right or wrong answer as far as that goes. It's how does it make you feel? And do you understand the dynamics of what's going on there? So it's really an exploration as to how you define debt and then what emotions are tied to that. And different people are in different ways about that. I've seen it all over the spectrum. Some folks that absolutely positively say, I don't want to have anything that even resembles debt. And then there's others that say, you know, well, that doesn't really bother me. But it's certainly something that you've got to address and think about. And, you know, more often than not, folks are thinking about it, but maybe they're not sure exactly how to think about it. And we start to explore it and they might come to a little different conclusion that, hey, maybe I should pay this off or maybe, hey, it's not such a bad thing to keep that there as long as I have control over it. And I know exactly, you know, what the story is. Great points, Glenn. And last but not least, this is a huge one. Obviously, when you start talking about how you feel about things from a financial perspective, this maybe more than anything has a huge impact on how you structure your financial plan. You knew it was coming, of course. Market volatility. How much does it bother you when the stock market goes up and down? Back in October, when we saw some major dips all in the span of what, just like a week or a week and a half. Did you feel a lot of stress when there was that market turbulence? Or were you perfectly fine with it? It didn't bother you at all. When somebody kind of gives you a read on that, Glenn, how does that impact the financial aspect of it? Well, it's important, Walter. And it's important in terms of how folks feel because if they get stressed, then that's not really a good place to be, especially if you're trying to enjoy your retirement. And, you know, it's really important that, I mean, if you have a proper plan put together in that scenario, if you have built in what if scenarios that you know that, hey, I can turn here, or I can turn there, and there's places that I can draw from that are not as exposed to that market turbulence, then it gives a little bit of a freeing feeling. But it's almost inescapable. I mean, you see markets go up and people get excited and they see them go down and they get fearful. And those are natural emotions. The key is making sure that you you know do some planning so that the natural state of affairs of the ups and downs of the market doesn't affect your daily mood and the way you feel about things. And that's a tough one because, you know, even when folks have a plan in place, sometimes it still gets to them on either side of it. You know, things are rising or things falling. It's a natural thing, especially when, you know, when you turn on the TV and the news is kind of hyping it one way or another and they're getting folks all juiced up because maybe markets are rising, you know, at that time or, or you know, then they turn it on and things are falling and, you know, it's Armageddon's being, you know, screamed across the airways. There's a lot of emotions that are tied to that. And so the way to try to remove yourself from that is, making sure that your plan takes all of that into account. 
it's easier said than done, but if you're able to do that and you're able to do that kind of planning, even when those things happen, it becomes a little bit easier to handle and a little bit easier to tolerate and actually be comfortable with whatever comes you know, down the pike you're prepared for, not only in terms of your dollars and cents, but also in just in terms of your emotions because you know, hey, this is going to happen and I'm now prepared for it if your plan is in place. Well, Glenn, we appreciate you walking us through these important times when it's okay to let those emotions kind of do battle with the math and the logic portion of our financial plans. Really, the two should work in concert, and that seems to be the biggest takeaway today. I think so, Walter. I really do. Well, if you want to get some help with your financial plan, maybe you've been a little too heavily weighted on one side or the other. You've only approached things from that math standpoint or haven't really figured out you know, how your emotions play into that equation. Have you really been taking into the equation the emotions of your spouse? Maybe you've just been thinking about your own emotions, not from a selfish standpoint, but just from you know a human standpoint of sometimes not focusing on the entire equation. It might be worth giving Glenn and the team a call at Roadmap Financial Consulting, or if you've been too far on the other side of that spectrum as well. You let your emotions dictate all of your financial decision-making without letting the math and logic kind of live in concert with one another. I think it would be well worth a conversation to see if you can get those two to live in a little bit more harmony. The number to call to reach Glenn Mosseller and talk about your situation is 336-291-3535. Again, that's 336-291-3535. And you can always find us online and get a free consultation on greensbororetirement.com. Just click on the button that says free consultation at the bottom of the page from your smartphone or your computer. That's greensbororetirement.com. For Glenn Mosseller, I'm Walter Storholt. We'll talk to you next time on the Retirement Roadmap Podcast.